Hello, and welcome to the Amateur Cryptid Survival Guide. I'm Cass Rowland. And I'm Jude Furlong. This week, as every week, we tackle a different cryptid. And boy, we have been on a real sea serpent kick again lately, huh? Yeah. Yeah, this week it's Colossal Clawed, otherwise known as the Columbia Sea Serpent. And uh, a possible relation may may come up later. But details oh. are <laughs> details are sparse, let's say. Before we get it, before I, before we get too hasty. You know, I told my family about an hour or so ago, mm-hmm. I know two things about the scripted. One, I know it's named Claude. And two, based on context, I believe it is Colossal. Uh, and that's well, it. I can, I can definitely assure you that it's Colossal. Let's, uh, let's just jump right in. So we are dealing with the North coast of Oregon. Um, so descriptions of Colossal Claude or the Columbia River Sea Serpent obviously differ from person to person, but the first sighting we have is in 1934. L.A. Larson, a mate on the lightship Columbia LV-88, is believed to be the first human to have spotted Claude. Larson described Claude as about 40 feet long, had a neck some 8 feet long, a big round body, a mean-looking tail, and an evil snaky look to its head. Evil. Other members of the Columbia's crew confirmed Larson's sighting, as did the captain and crew of the U.S. Lighthouse Service Tender, Rose. What, did you say the bros? No, no, no. Rose. Rose. It's it's Rose. the crew of the U.S. Lighthouse Service Tender, Rose, which a tender is that a kind of ship. That would be so fun, though, yeah. if the lighthouse was like, this is our light, these are our lighthouse bros. You know how there's that role in film where you're like the assistant to... Uh, the key grip or the key light, and you're like the best boy grip. <laughs> we're the you know we're what the, they say. We're the lighthouse best bros. You know what they say: lighthouse bros before lighthouse hoes. <laughs> well, what would a lighthouse need a hose for? It's already right next to the ocean. God, I feel like that would be really awful if a lighthouse caught on fire. <laughs> um. Especially because this is awful. But their purpose is to make it so that ships can see where the shore is. Well, they so the ships see. Would be like, oh I mean, yeah, see I it. see it. They've they've really revolutionized their tech. How'd they do that? And like on the inside, they're like, help us! Send help! <laughs> yeah. you can't signal it because the ships That's can't see it. That's what fucks me up. Uh, I maybe it's more cost efficient or something. But why not just have one big light instead of? I mean, they already do have one big light, but they make it rotate. That's a good point. Like You mean, like, why not just set a giant fire in the middle, like, here we are! Well, that's how it used to be done back in the day. Ancient lighthouses worked like that, but, um... Current lighthouses, like, is the moving panel to stop from annoying the city? What is it? Because you could just move it so that the light doesn't hit the city and just keep it there. Maybe it's, it's to make sure that people from all sides can see it? right. But if that's what you want, what I'm saying is just remove the panel. Just have it just have it visible everywhere. Huh. You know I feel like it has to do with something like a beam isn't gonna blind you, but you will know where it is. Whereas wait, if it's I wanna just, check this out. Yeah. Why do lighthouses light lighthouses? Oh, apparently they have... Ah, why do lighthouses rotate? There we go. 
Wouldn't ah yes, someone asked this exact question. Um, the old reason apparently um, is a light source can be much brighter if you concentrate it. Um, but I don't know what that means. I didn't know you could have more light power in a beam um, because I took physics six years ago and we didn't talk about the lights. Uh, so I guess I guess it's yes, get the beam so it's more more power. Hmm. Consolidate the light. Okay. I I guess I can work with that. Uh so there are a number of sightings afterwards, but we're gonna we're gonna keep picking apart the uh the sighting in here. Because it, it does, uh, there's quite a, there's not like extensive detail necessarily, but this is our first sighting. Um, apparently, allegedly, they had seen the creature. L.A. Larson saw it first, uh, then the rest of the crew noticed it, and they had just spent some time studying it with binoculars. It was a ways off from the ship, and they just watched it. Uh Members of the crew, after watching the strange creature with field glasses for a few minutes, wanted to launch a small boat and approach it for a better view. The officers, though, ordered them not to. The sea serpent was big enough that it could potentially tip the boat over. I just found a very interesting tidbit about this boat. Yeah? Or an alleged tidbit about the crew of this boat specifically. Yeah. Apparently... In January 1934, the Oregonian uh, reported that the ship's crew had successfully endured a month of dangerous storms, um, but one crew member snapped, oh. um, according to the article. He became insane, the newspaper wrote, and had to be tied up for safety until a lighthouse tender was able to creep close enough three days later to take him off and hustle him ashore when he could relax and quiet his nerves. That'll be... Oh! What? That's that's just your classic case of sea madness. It happens. It's like, um, it's like that one shipwreck that Moby Dick is inspired by, where they all went crazy and ate each other. Yeah, pretty much. God, I never want to go on a ship. You know, when I was little, I always wanted to be like, oh, if only I could have the life on the sea... But I think that would fuck you up pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what really gets me here is we have another one of these cases. And though we may not have ever talked about it on the podcast, um, there are a number of cryptids we've discussed in the past where there were multiple witnesses. And though they corroborated that they all had seen the same thing, the details each one gave were different. This one isn't as radically big in terms of differences as some. Uh, for instance, Jay Jensen, who is the captain of the Rose, this is the other ship that saw this creature, uh, told the Morning Oregonian that the creature's head looked more like that of a camel than a snake, but the witnesses agreed on most other details. So we have some minor discrepancies between witnesses, but at the very least, nothing I wouldn't chalk up to just sort of like the way each person interprets the, the details of something seen far away. Mm -hmm. Compared to, like, just straight-up lying. You know, I'd love to know what exactly that person 
thought, mm-hmm. who who saw something, thought it was a camel, and then thought it was a camel with enough certainty to repeat that out loud to another person. Because, like, sometimes I'm not wearing my glasses, and I'll see something. And then I'll realize I probably interpreted it in a certain way because I'm not wearing my glasses, and I'm mistaken. And those are the things I don't say aloud. Like, when I see someone at the supermarket, and I think it's my mom, and it's not my mom. (laughs) Or when I see someone across campus who is a dear friend of mine, and I don't recognize them because I'm not wearing my glasses, and I think they could be someone else and don't want to make a fool of myself. And then when they come up to me, they're like, why didn't you say hi? And I'm like, I didn't see you. (laughs) But in order for this person to have such, such a strong conviction that there was a camel in the water because this this is in the water right it's not like a random no thing no on not land, that it is right? a camel but it has a head like a camel's oh i thought you were insinuating the person actually was like yeah i didn't think it was a snake i thought it was a camel no camel in the ocean taking a swim no no they in all Oregon, agreed that it was some sort of fucked up live. they all agreed that it was some sort of fucked up sea serpent but larson had like described it as uh having the head of like a snake and sort of looking very evil um jay jensen just said looked a bit more like a camel to me thought it was a <laughs> but you know i i got sharp eyes have to i'm the captain i'm sure larson saw what he saw <laughs> They're all like, yeah, this serpent looked fucked up and evil. And one of them was like, but have you considered camels are also evil and fucked up? So maybe. Yeah, the sea serpent came right up to me, spat in my face. Got a good look at it. That's, that's a sea camel. I don't know what this thing really looks like. I've seen one uh, I don't know that there are a ton of depictions of it. I, I've looked around, but it's not a, a popular cryptid in the art community necessarily. Most of most depictions just sort of end up making it look like a sea serpent. Yeah. There's that one project that someone did where they drew like the most well-known cryptid in each state. Yeah. Uh, I actually I have an article talking about that that was pretty fucking funny to me. Uh, where is it? It's like the one where they were like, oh, yeah, like, obviously, Bigfoot is Oregon's most famous cryptid, right? Yeah. So they're going to draw Bigfoot for us. And then he was like, the artist was like, fuck you. It's actually Washington's boy. You can have your stinky little camel snake. I don't think this was a personal fuck you to Oregon. This is Oregon's fault for not having Bigfoot first. (laughs) So which popular not quite real beast is Oregon's contribution? The answer is Colossal Claude. Huh? There was another article I found that was like, you know, uh, give the award to most boring name for a cryptid to this person, to whoever named this guy. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck? Because here's the thing about Colossal Claude. Sure, it doesn't tell me where it's from. But the trick is, I am infinitely more interested in a creature called Colossal Claude than I am the Columbia River Sea Serpent. Columbia River Sea Serpent. That's nothing. That's that's not even like a flavor of the week. It's just a bare bones description. Colossal Claude, one, you're getting an adjective in there. I'm with you now. I'm here for it. Two, you're giving it a name. This man has an identity. This man's name is alliteration. He is a you have met this man at the water cooler. Colossal Claude is a nickname you give to your college drinking buddy. 
The only way he could be more pedestrian is if his name was Craig. <laughs> Colossal Craig. Colossal Kyle. Okay, so there's there's a tidbit in this article that I saw. I just I want to run this fact by you because I have never heard of anything remotely like this in my life. Mhm. <clears throat> The bestiary has credited Bigfoot as Washington State's most famous mythical animal. And true enough, the modern Sasquatch legend allegedly took hold after an alleged 1924 confrontation between a phalanx of the hairy seven-foot-tall animals and some gold prospectors on Washington's Mount St. Helens. The site of that battle is now called Ape Canyon. We will deal with Bigfoot's what? military tactics in a later episode, I can assure you. I didn't know Bigfoot had a militia. Oh, oh you've never... <laughs> Do you remember uh, the, the hoplites? It's basically that, is what it is. Uh, big big Hoplites? No. This was a, gr- no, no, no. a, a Grecian military tactic used in some of the the, the various states. Um, I believe the the main one I'm remembering them from is Troy, but I might be mixing that oh, up. Oh, is this where they had the the shields and the spears poking out of the shields? Um, yes, but in particular, there were there were certain kinds of hoplites who uh, basically it was a, a buddy system um, where you two fucked a whole bunch, and then you would for sure have each other's backs in. Wait, yes, in I have heard of this. Yeah. yeah, I forget what it was called though. What's what's the what's the ancient? But basically, Bigfoot's use the uh, the boyfriend battle system is what they use. (laughs) It's like you get to like imagine if we had that in the U.S. Like you get to like I don't know military training boot camp whatever whatever you do on the first day. I don't think you go around and say names or whatever. Um, And instead of like whatever drills you do, like five hundred push ups or like you know. Uh, hating pacifism or whatever. <laughs> Instead, you just get a friend. You get like a you get someone, and then like the drill sergeant's like, "All right, you know, that's your buddy now. Now go fuck in the tent. That's step one to inspire loyalty among the troops and unity among the uh, the bros." I don't know how militaries work, soldier. If you're not at third base by high noon, you are out. <laughs> Like that dude in the fire festival documentary is like, <laughs> and I went into the military, prepared to suck that man's dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I feel like the military would be worth so much more if that's how we did it, because just at least just a little, a little less time focusing on war crimes and a little more time focusing on loving. This is the future the liberals want. Uh, uh, the the west coast is sort of crawling i want to say with um with sea monsters uh and colossal claude i I guess is the big one for oregon um so in 1937 this is just three years later uh charles e graham skipper of commercial fishing trawler viv expanded that the creature had a four-foot waist with the head of an overgrown horse Oh. Yeah, and then 1939, we actually have another sighting from Skipper Chris Anderson of the schooner Argo. Uh, 
This comes to us from the Brooklyn Daily Eagle, 30th of April, 1939. Story of the week. Fish story of the week is told by Skipper Chris Anderson, and refreshingly, it has not to do with the number of goldfish washed down with or without benefit of beer or mayonnaise by an aspiring college sophomore. No, sir. Fish that Skipper Chris has to tell of was an honest-to-goodness sea serpent with a head like a camel and eyes, quoth he, as big as hot cross buns. Oh my. Those are big eyes. Uh, Skipper and his men were out from Astoria, Oregon, gathering halibut on the banks at the mouth of Columbia River. Suddenly, from out of the shallows, a monster with great gaping eyes and a neck ten feet long broke water within ten feet of the Argo's hull. Just loomed and nodded gravely and fixed flabbergasted fishermen with great, baleful eyes. (laughs) Wait, he nodded at the fishermen? Uh, Well, nodding doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's just a gesture with your head. Like horses, okay. horses nod even whether or not they mean to say yes. They're just okay. like moving their heads up and down. But if a sea creature has the level of sentience required to be evil, I think they have the level of. If I saw a sea creature come out of the sea and it looked fucked up and evil and it made eye contact with me and then it started slowly nodding and be like, okay, it's communicating something to me. There's. There's something going on here, and I'm very uncomfortable with this vibe. Uh, the the article does call our friend Colossal Claude here, though they don't give it that name uh, in this paper, his lordship of the deep. <laughs> and then later on, uh, they call him his monster ship. <laughs> Wait, Jude, I thought that was your class title. Not class title, cult title. Sorry, I got very distracted because I read something that said class. I'm majoring in lordshipness. Uh, <laughs> hey, can I get five extra credits for being a, a lordship of the deep? Yeah, what I haven't told you is that the, the whole Leviathan cult thing is just sort of an, uh, an extra credit project so I can fulfill that anthro minor that I really want. God, that'd be wild if that was a way that you could get class credits. If they're well, it's like, great. Oh, yeah, it, just it, like they said, I could count it for psychology or anthropology, which was a pretty. It was pretty good for me. It's like yes, and for my comps project, I studied cults and their formation, and I did this by forming a cult. <laughs> they say there's no better way than being on the inside, you know. They say there's no I in team, but is there an A? In cult leadership? I think so. Uh, we we do love a polite leviathan here in the cult. And I'll tell you, I love this one. Uh, and every single sailor out there should be grateful that Colossal Claude has not sunk them. Because according to the captain, Chris Anderson, uh, quoth he, he could have sunk us with a nudge. The... Uh, Astoria anglers surmised it must have been an aged sea elephant, extra big, but Skipper Chris sticks to his serpent story. If that was a sea elephant, I never saw one that looked like it, and I never want to see it again. Oh, well, Chris, that's a little... Come on now, you don't have to What the fuck is a sea elephant? Oh, you've never heard of sea elephants? No. I have not either. (laughs) I have no fucking clue. Uh, sea elephant. Oh, elephant seals. Oh, that's a really, yeah, wow, this, 
man, this sure is a 1939 newspaper. Quoth he, said he. <laughs> Quoth the monster nevermore. Oh my god, I forgot how silly elephant seals look. Oh, they're great. My noses are so fucked up. Uh, I can definitely report that the uh, that the crew of this ship exists. I've I've done some digging. Uh, I haven't managed to verify the other crews as of yet, but for sure the Argo and Chris Anderson exist. They get reported a lot in various Oregon newspapers. Um, one time they they talked about, uh, and this was actually before the sighting in earlier April of the same year, nineteen thirty nine. Uh, the opening of the halibut season, April first, was all right, but there are no halibut. Skipper Chris Anderson of the Argo complained. So they were having a tough. They were having a tough season then. And then, of all, all things, Colossal Claude shows up. You know what's interesting, now that you bring up fish seasons? And Go this on. is where I have, a, I have a legitimate theory here. It's a bad theory, but it's a theory. Um, I saw some quote, I don't remember where I saw it, that Colossal Claude appeared in the middle of salmon season, specifically king salmon season, which is the biggest salmon. Um, so... Uh, you know, maybe either if uh, it's a just a big salmon, or returning back to our early days of sinkhole Sam, a bunch of salmon taped together. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a, a a whole squad of salmon taped together, uh, trying to look especially fucked up and evil. Um, but I would say that if I were a king salmon, and it was the start of salmon season, and I knew that people ate salmon. I would be frantically trying to find a way to uh, unionize all the other salmons. Not unionize it. Is unionize the word I'm looking for? Yes. Unionize all the other salmon to right. fight back against the fishers. Um, especially because if you look up King Salmon, the first question that Google suggests for you is, is King Salmon good to eat? And they're also known for omega-3 oils. And we do, we, do, we do love omega-3s, don't we? We do love omega-3s. I had an MRI earlier this week, and I had a bunch of omega-3 supplements taped to my back. <laughs> it was the most random thing. They were like, these show up really, really well in the MRI. And I'm like, are those, are those omega-3s? And they're like, it's fish oil. And I'm like, so they're, they're the nutritional supplements. I eat every morning. I eat these. <laughs> like having one of those little like curing coffee cups like taped to your foot or something i i've done a little more digging as best i can anyway um but newspapers are not actually giving me much here um according to megan borchett borchert uh of werewolf dot of werewolves.com um werewolves werewolves uh, the sightings. Oh, my were, dad says it. The sightings were common through the 1950s, but most slowed down after that time. But another article. Now, mind you, this is the same article that says uh, whoever whoever named Colossal Claude will be the runaway first prize winner in any least interesting monster name contest. So we do know <laughs> they're a bit of a dick. But they claim, and this is from the NewsGuard.com, an actual newspaper. So I'm a little more trusting of their uh, citations and research. Uh, skeptical newspaper editors spilled very little ink on the monster at the time, and I've been unable to find any of these alleged sightings from the 1950s. 
So we've got this thing that attacks a couple of boats, not even attacks really, shows up around a number of boats, namely uh, the, ah, crap, what was, ah, the Columbia River Lightship, the Viv, uh, and the Argo, and the Rose corroborated the Lightship story. Mm. So we have these, these uh, three separate sightings over the course of about five years in which the creature is seen. Uh, allegedly continues showing up throughout the 1950s, but we have no way of knowing. And then it's just sort of gone. You know what's interesting about this werewolves article? Yeah? So I saw the picture they have of Colossal Claude up there, and I got to thinking. Because it has whiskers. Yes. And I thought to um, myself, what lives in the water? Has whiskers and is fucked up and evil. What if this is a catfish? A, oh, a catfish! Well, catfish are pretty fucking evil. Because I looked it up, there are catfish in Oregon, um, and no one knows how big a catfish can get. Yeah, uh, the the crew of the Argo did describe it um, as having the head of a camel with fur that was coarse and gray. The fur goes unmentioned in a couple of articles, but it's there, um, and it is mentioned, but. Yeah, I could see how you might mistake the pattern of a catfish for fur, I guess. Um, my mind actually jumped to seal. Oh, that's also a good. Yeah, a good uh, the trick is I don't know how you convince I don't know how you convince us that it's that long, and it's the rising out of the water thing. That's that's the real uh, kicker with this. The creature sort of stared them dead on right in front of them, rising out of the water. And I don't know how I a also... seal's just going to levitate there 10 feet in the air. <laughs> it's a seal magician <laughs> trying to make ends meet. I also don't know how you'd convince someone that a seal is evil. Hmm. Unless it was an elephant seal. Eh, well, elephant seals are violent. I wouldn't call them evil. Just very, very stupid and uh, with a certain desire for violence. Yeah, no, I feel like you can look at an elephant seal... You can see that bloodlust in their eyes. And I, I think, think some I, people would mistake it as evil. See, I think I think it's less that you can see the bloodlust. I think it's the fact that you can't see the bloodlust. They seem so passive most of the time. Oh, and then no. they just start wailing on you. They Have you ever heard the noises an elephant seal makes? Uh, yeah, they're beautiful melodies. Yes, I have, Cass. What are it's you about to say? It's kind of haunting. It's haunting. That's you and your lack of appreciation for the beauty of nature. Listen, I hear the sounds of an elephant seal, and if I'm nearby that elephant seal that's making that sound, I have the immediate fight-or-flight reflex that that seal's about to hurt me. It's it's like uh, a Greek choral ode, you know? It's, it, it's, it's poetry, in a way. But, like, in the part of the Greek tragedy where, like, the person's, like, murdering the king, like, oh, ah-ha! <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I don't appreciate the sound of the elephant seal. Okay, but have you heard them when they really want to fuck? Because then... (laughs) (laughs) Just, just beautiful. The main call of an elephant seal. (laughs) Go fuck this! So, Claude is more serpentine in most depictions, but at some point, 
and I have a hard time of telling why this happened. I guess he started being depicted as more of a uh, a plesiosaur type thing. Um, we do have another article from the Daily Astorian claiming that Claude has been missing since the mid-1950s, which that feels more ominous in a way than just saying sighting stopped. He's been he missing. <laughs> that's, like what, like- that's like what you say about someone who got, you know, kidnapped or like disappeared under mysterious circumstances. And I guess that's the case here, but it's an animal. <laughs> Yeah, no, that definitely sounds like the lead-up for, like, an action series about, like, you took my monster. (laughs) Um, but I guess this might be where we have to dip into our other sea creature, Marvin. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, Marvin the monster is another, uh, sea creature who, let me see here, uh, this comes to us from John Kirk. Uh, it is. This comes from a shell oil drilling film shot in either 1963 or 1966, depending on the source. Locations where it was shot was either off Santa Barbara, California, or off the Oregon coast. They dubbed the creature Marvin the Monster for no plausible reason. That photo was in Ivan T. Sanderson's repository at SITU. Came across it recently, and it just so happened that Global came calling, and I showed it to them. As far as I know, those are the only stills that exist, and I have no idea where the film is. Ask Shell. So this film from Shell, during one of their oil drilling operations in the 1960s, has footage of what might be a sea monster uh, that looks to be about 15 to 20 feet long, based on the description. I'll send you over a... I've gone to the wrong No, no, I'm sending you over an image. Uh, This... uh, I've... This is on Cryptomundo.com, but it does get mentioned in a number of other articles about uh, Colossal Claude. Okay. Yeah, I've gone to the wrong page. Can I read you what I accidentally ended up with? Mm Mm-hmm. Marvin Monster is a well-mannered monster who works at a stalker at Mr. and Mrs. Mopple's Market. He appeared in a short story called The Mystery of the Missing Muffins, first published on... On my way with Sesame Street, Volume One. Okay, yeah, I Sherlock thought this was a Hemlock fucking Sesame asks Street. Mark- <laughs> Sherlock Hemlock asks Marvin if he's seen magicians, marbles, mice, and other M words in his quest for the muffins. Marvin, however, had astutely located them next to the marmalade for the convenience of those Ooh, who had desired condiments with the red monster. <laughs> the case is solved, and Marvin returns to the illustrated shadows from whence he came. This is brought to you by the Muppet Wiki. Thanks, Muppet Wiki. I also accidentally clicked on Marvin the Martian. Also um, not who it. Is... I, I can't find this monster. Wait, did you send me an x-ray? Uh, no, those are, those are stills from the film, uh, according to John Kirk. Um, what does it look like an x-ray? So this is something that pretty much... Uh, most articles are going to bring up in relation to Claude, Colossal Claude for some reason. The 1963 Shell Oil Company saw the 15-foot animal during an oil search. Um, rumor has it that they even got the sighting on tape. Adding to the standing description, they indicated the creature had barnacled ridges and swam in over 180 feet of water. 
According to most people, Marvin is speculated to be some kind of jellyfish by scientists, and cryptozoologists seem to think it's some kind of sea serpent. In a videotape that has since been studied by some of the country's leading marine biologists, divers from Shell Oil Company captured footage of a massive creature moving past them. This is in the uh, ChinookObserver.com. Marvin reportedly is about 15 feet long, has barnacled bumps covering his body, and swam in a spiral motion past the divers. Uh, some believe he is a type of jellyfish. Others are convinced that the sea monster is a remnant of prehistoric times and has only just decided to reveal itself to researchers in the last 60 years. There are also people who believe that Colossal Claude and Marvin are the same monsters. You know, this really looks to me like one of those, um... It's stuck in my head as spinner dolphins. I don't know if that's accurate. The ones that yeah. swim in corkscrews? That jump yeah. up and spin in corkscrews? Like I, this monster think- is said to do? I think I know what you're talking about. Um, hmm. Wow, this news article also reports that Colossal Claude looked evil. Yeah. Why do they? Why are they also focused on ascribing moral judgments to this? Uh, I don't know, menacing-looking monster. As Just we all know, there, there, you can't find evil in the heart of a leviathan. Uh, you can find a lot of fish inside a leviathan, but not evil. And if you're already inside the Leviathan, uh, that's on you, you know? Uh, They caught you slipping. What if I get tricked, though? They can't trick you. Listen, they're beautiful creatures who would never do anything wrong. Ever. They would only eat you if you were bad. See, Leviathans are sort of the great moral arbiters of uh, all, all human people and humankind, and frankly, every other creature as well. Uh, a a leviathan could tell you if your dog was evil. But there's no such thing. <laughs> but if there were, if there were. Uh, and leviathans are able to cast judgment on anyone they choose and then eat them. And that's how that's how the system works. If you're really, really evil, um, you get eaten by the leviathan. And if you're really, really good, you get eaten by the leviathan. Am I safe if I'm in a landlocked state? Well, water levels are rising, so. I mean, I know that the lake that's the big lake here accounts for like 10% of the world's fresh water, but am I safe? I'm just is saying. It, is Leviathan a freshwater or a saltwater? Oh, uh, it, it, no, no, no. Leviathan is anywhere the water is. That's that's the beauty of the system, you know. And the earth is. Uh, what about. And we are 70% water, and the earth is covered in water. So, what about my bathtub? Is my bathtub safe? Well, we we at the Church of the Leviathan don't like to be invasive, and we've we've talked this over, uh, and we've we've all collectively agreed that it, it it's probably for the best if the Leviathans don't appear in any showers or bathtubs. We think it's just it's just an important matter of privacy. What about the pond across the street from me? Oh no, safe? for sure in there, for sure in there. What if my neighbor doesn't like people? No, I have one looking right now. Oh. Oh, hey, Cass. Oh, I'm looking through the Leviathan's eyes. I'm communing with it. Stop. <laughs> oh, that's a really, that's a, that's a nice lamp you have on your desk there. <laughs> uh, okay, so I just did a little more digging. I managed to pull up just another sighting or two. Um, so shortly after that 1937 sighting by the Viv, um, Colossal Claude gets sighted again by a 
beach-going couple who were visiting Devil's Churn, 120 miles to the south. The two of them had been admiring the scenery there when they saw just offshore a huge hairy thing that looked like an aquatic giraffe. <laughs> oh. Uh, with a neck and maned head sticking up 15 feet above the water. They estimated it at 55 feet in overall length. Monster quit the scene, heading south along the shore, and the whites ran to their car and raced after it, making for Hesetta Head in hopes of catching a second glimpse. When they arrived, so did the creature. It turned and headed out to sea and was soon lost from sight. Oh my. That's sort of beautiful. That's sort of a, you know, a free willy moment. I guess. <laughs> so we do have a number of sightings along the Oregon coast, and I am frankly just going to group in Marvin with Claude. It, it feels a little rude of me to do so, but the simple fact is Marvin has no other sightings to his name. Uh, and if it is, as is alleged to be so, uh, along the Oregon coast, that does fit with Claude's pattern. The catch is Marvin's a lot smaller than Claude. Again, it's in the name. Colossal Claude. It's what we love about him. Let's see. Can I say something controversial? Go ahead. Based on the size approximations that people have been giving, I don't know why they're calling Claude Colossal. Because he's not. Is this because blue whales are bigger or something? Is that what you want to get at here? No, this, this just isn't big for a sea creature. You know, this is about the size of the other sea creatures that we've heard. You know, we've heard of bigger with the Ningen. Sure. So this isn't this isn't impressive. I I feel like in order for it to truly be colossal, it's got to be colossal relative to whatever, which is why I think that colossal Claude might be either a fish or an actual camel. Like I I ripped really hard on that dude at the beginning who said maybe it's a camel. But, like, that's the only way this really makes sense, that Colossal Claude would actually be colossal. Uh, well, let, let's get this out of the way. Um, what you've just said is blasphemous. I, I think that needs to be addressed first. But uh, I'm I'm pretty – I'm jiving a little with how the, the couple described him as uh, giraffe-like. Because, actually, if you think about how long a giraffe neck is, pretty fucking big. It keeps pretty the long. fur in there. The catch is really, like, the fur – pattern um which i've only ever seen is depicted as like gray or brown and it's a pretty solid color in instead of um most giraffe coat patterns um but it does tie yeah this is this might be a dark question can giraffes swim giraffes can swim how well (sighs) giraffe swimming I, I mean, they're basically horses, is the thing, Cass. Can, uh, it's can long been thought the giraffes... You, yes, horses can swim. Not well, but they can. Anyway, it's long been thought the giraffes, with their tall necks and spindly legs, were incapable of swimming, unlike virtually every other mammal on the planet. So congrats for spreading anti-giraffe propaganda again, Cass. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, but thanks to a team of researchers who are strangely curious about such things, it's been proven once and for all that giraffes can indeed handle a dip. 
They're also, again, cast, they also have really long legs, so I don't think it's crazy for them to be able to walk along near the shore or anything like that. Now, if you've caught a giraffe neck poking out of the, the water, you could see it as horse-like, you could see it as camel-like. Um, I don't know about serpentine, but I, I can definitely stretch what you might see a giraffe as from a distance to believing it could be seen as a sea serpent. What about evil? What about the evilness? Well, uh, most... Let's see, what family are the giraffes in? Uh, da, da, da. Let's see. Uh, it's in the Artiodactyla which, is that the horse family? Well, it's the even-toed ungulates family, which is uh, what whales are camels? in. Camels? Well, yeah, camels, buffalo, deer, whales. Llamas? Boars. Are llamas? Are llamas arcto, arctodactyls? Yes. Llamas, alpacas, sheep, goats, and cattle. Hippopotamuses, antelopes. Huh. Are you telling me Horses aren't even-toed ungulates. Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm being told right now? Are they not? Oh, they're odd-toed ungulates. They're two oh, separate things. Do they have a third toe somewhere? Well, uh, <laughs> or do they just have one? Oh, they just have one. Yeah, they just have one big one. That's wild. Yeah. So rhinos, you know, uh, this is a topic for another day, maybe, uh, but... We got time. <laughs> I, ju I just don't know how much stock I want to put in this, because 40 to 50 feet is still pretty fucking mondo. Sure, it's not as big as is the... It? What? Cass, is I it? Cass, I want you to think about how large you are as a person. All right. Now multiply that until you get to 50. Okay. Five and a half. 11. 15 and a half. 21. 26 and a half. 31. 41. Cass, this thing is basically oh, eight or nine times bigger than you. Yeah, but I'm not that big. I'm not impressed. What? Come on now. Come on. What? Length of a school bus. Give me a sec. Well, if it's bigger than feet. a school bus. It's about as big as a school bus or more. Okay, so it's the size I thought a whale shark was. That's pretty. It's impressive. It's not colossal. Come on. Impressive, now. Claude? Come kind on. of big, Claude? Come on now. He's big in Listen, relation to I... his environment. And that's what's important. But his environment is the ocean, isn't it? Uh, his environment is the coast of Oregon. He could tip over a boat with but a nudge. Listen, he that's, impresses that's he funny. impresses the schooners and light ships of Oregon. And if that's not enough for you, I don't know what is. You don't you don't trust the good word of our hardy seafaring sailor folk friends? You bastard. <laughs> But when you put it like that, it sounds heartless. 
Yeah. I I guess it does, does it, Cass? I guess it does sound pretty fucked up of you to call Colossal Claw not Colossal. Huh? Okay, I have one person on my side. You know who's on my side? This is this is the instant proof that I'm not on the right side here. But you know who's on my side? The Cryptid's Wiki's on my side. Motherfucker. Because the low estimates they give is 15 feet. Which a- is not... Big. And again, that's based on Marvin. That's based on Marvin because everybody groups in Marvin with Claude. Even I'm doing that. Uh, But Marvin is an anomaly in comparison to the rest of the Claude sightings. That's the catch of this. Oh. Remember, Marvin is about like 15 to 20 feet. He is seen one time, 1963. Shell Oil Co. Now, first of all, Let's not even get into the fact that we should never trust Shell Oil Co. Granted, if they don't show the film, that means it is real. That's the trick of this. If they don't want to get it out, it's real. If it's already out there, it isn't. Unless you were sent the footage of Marvin on a on a old fucking VCR tape hand-delivered to you by some shady figure saying, Don't tell Big Oil. And you had to you had to go to like a fucking dead blockbuster to play this shit and then it blew up afterwards i'm sorry it's just not real what if it's like a whistleblower like you didn't hear it from me but shell oil is drilling near where the sea monsters call call a home stop them we don't know where this footage came from that's not really how whistleblowing works i mean when ed snowden did it he sent like a huge bank of encrypted files that were like you had to go through f- uh, five layers of passcodes for it, and you had to be on a, a private VPN just for safety's sake. Um, and then he was like, hey, can you guys get me political safety maybe? And the news was like, sorry, we can't. And then he was like, can you not share the information then? Uh, just for my sake, because I'd like I'd like for this information to have value so that I can buy myself political safety. And they were like, no, we kind of have a duty to the public to release this information because we are the news. And he was like, okay, talk to you guys later. Have fun out there. It's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. That is sad. Whistleblowers get kind well, of Whistleblowers get shit. Whistleblowers get fucked over brutally. Yeah. Which is but why I'm saying, little- unless a real whistleblower came to you, you know... In, in the classic, like, encrypted data files that you have to be on a private VPN for or some shit. I'm sorry. Either Marvin isn't real or Marvin is, like, not that big a deal. Okay, but I feel like the old-timey version of this is giving someone the film and being like, don't share this with anyone. They're like, oh, what's this? <laughs> share it with everyone. So you think it spread before Shell had their, uh, you know, their hitmen in place. Shell's, yeah, no, Shell's, Shell's hitman team was hitman. established in 1965, two years after this, as uh, Marvin became very popular in certain regions of Oregon. Listen, Jude, I didn't want to rat him out. Claude was the hitman for a period of time. You know, he was going through a rough patch, needed to make ends meet. No, Claude, and he, Claude would never do that. Don't know. Yeah, no, it was, it was when they set him loose on Marvin that he left the business. He just couldn't do it. Because Marvin's actually the one that leaked it. Marvin is the whistleblower. It's a tragic story. That's why Claude disappeared in the 50s. The shame. 
But then in 1989, that year a fishing crew was dragging a net when it snagged and could not be released. The snag even started to pull the bow of the ship downward into the water. Captain Donald Rizwick finally pulled the net in and found a hole in the net. The net was several hundred feet long and being dragged at 30 feet deep. So it's not a sighting, but it's something. That's how you make a comeback. That's how you make a comeback. All I'm saying is we're waiting for the reunion tour. I feel like the only... Colossal Claw has only gotten bigger. My notes for Claude. Maybe sink the boat a little bit? (laughs) Just once. You don't even have to eat anyone. Listen, you've got you've got the Kraken, like really doing the the publicity thing, like tearing boats in half to be like, Aha, oh, that is that is the Kraken's shtick. I that's the thing about it, though. I think it's kind of a tired bit by now. I think I think Colossal Claw kind of has to reinvent the game. Crack that boat in half, like it's a little breadstick for you to eat. <laughs> um, but you know, I I do think that this does lend it to my theory that Claude is a catfish because catfish get bigger over time. They this just, is like, true. Eat everything. There's nothing they won't eat. They eat at all. Catfish record size. They're big. Nearly nine feet long and as big as a grizzly bear, the behemoth tipped the scales at six hundred and forty-six pounds. I will say, though, if I saw that... I've seen the pictures of the catfish, though, Jude. If I saw that catfish... No, I, I, yeah, would, I, would, I would believe this is bigger than nine feet. I would I would believe that, like... Oh, shit, I think there is a, a longer catfish, if not a, a heavier one. Catfish also are fucked up and evil. They will eat anything. Even you. Such is the nature of a bottom feeder. They, they won't do it because they need to survive. They'll do it for fun. They'll do it Catfish because the only like, emotion they have is hunger, and it is the only emotion they feel, and they feel it always. They are gluttony incarnate. Yeah. It says uh, here in the Join the Leviathan cult uh, pamphlet that catfish are actually the symbol for everything wrong in the world. Yeah, it's they true. Are they are capitalist greed and gluttony and exploitation of of others um, for their own personal gain, and they must be uh, cleansed from the earth. At least that's what it says in my pamphlet. And maybe everyone gets pamphlets with different stuff on it. But and that might be the 2019 life. pamphlet. I need to I need to reissue them, actually. We're, we're coming up on a, so the big holiday season uh, for the Leviathan Cult. Most of our holidays are in November. I wanted to, I wanted to pack them all in um, because I figured I figured if they were all in one month, it would make it more fun. You know, that'll be like the, the month we can all look forward to. Yeah, you know, there's there's Movember. Uh, <laughs> there's... Uh, November, Leviathan, November. Um, there are more holidays in November. Wait, I already said that one. I was going to say No Shave November, but I think No Shave November and November are the same thing. Um, I don't There's know Glo-vember, how much of these are related um, to the cult. Glovember is the day that we celebrate all the, uh, the bioluminescent Leviathans. <laughs> That's my favorite. So you've brought up an interesting uh, thing about how the catfish grow very big. They're so big. 
this one's going to come out of left field. And I'm pitching it only because you mentioned the catfish. You know about lobsters? Yes. Uh, so How big do they get? Pretty fucking big. Um, lobster biggest. Let's see. The world's largest recorded lobster was 44 pounds. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but here's the thing. Do you know about the thing uh, that's commonly said to be an internet myth of how lobsters are biologically immortal and if they could only have sufficient food intake, they would basically grow forever? Yeah. Here's the catch. It's not a myth. I've proven it. I have a lobster right here in my room. I've been growing it for as long as I've been alive. He's fucking Mondo. I'm going to hand him down to my kids. He's going to get even bigger. I just know it. Jude, I hate to ask, but you know it's my job. Yeah. Does this lobster, you can lie to me, does this lobster fit in a 20-gallon tank or less? Right now You don't now have to answer that question, you can, you can plead the fifth if you need to. Do not remove any part of the lobster to comply with policy, but... <laughs> Uh, so the catch is the, the, there's sort of an internet myth about how they are immortal. Um, senescence is this process by which some animals can sort of, um, let's see. Senescence is the process I think of any animal death. Let me check this. Uh, the condition of, or process of deterioration with age. So the catch with the lobster is, um, their DNA doesn't age the way ours does. It doesn't deteriorate in the same way. Um, but they do get more diseases as they go on just due to their size, and they are unable to feed themselves more and more. But there's also the fact of they can no longer molt. So we don't have a way of actually determining a lobster's max age, and therefore we don't have a way of determining their max size. So all I'm oh. saying is Colossal Claude is mm, a millennia-old lobster uh, come from ages forgotten by man to, you know, wreak havoc and remind us of our greatest sins um, to sort of cast judgment upon all of us. Colossal Claude was there during the flood. Is, um... Is Colossal Claude one of the central figures to the cult, Jude? Because the way you're describing it, it sounds like Colossal Claude is another part of the cult. What, yes, and that of, you are once again using the podcast to prop. What? No, cult. no. I, w- I would never. I would never promote religious matters and my personal beliefs on our completely unbiased and uh, factually accurate podcast. Jude, why does it say the Herald of Leviathan on the recording schedule? Uh, well, <laughs> it's, uh, that's just, um, that's a, a typo. I, I have Colossal this, fu- Claude, Herald of Leviathan, this, Lordship of the Deep. I have this really funny thing where when I key smash, um, it turns out like words because I'm just, I'm such a good typist. Uh, so my finger, my fingers can't fake key smash is the, is the, they can't, they can't do it bad enough. <laughs> Oh, 
<coughs> Pledge yourself to the Leviathan. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Dude, are you okay? You got a cough there? Oh yeah. Uh, don't don't worry. I, I just got my my test. I'm I'm totally fine. Negative. Yeah. Negative. Okay. Okay. I just don't know if it can be passed through, you know, sound waves. Okay, just be <laughs> uh, no, the uh, the blessings of the Leviathan have actually rendered me immune to all diseases. Oh shit. Except for shell disease. Much like a lobster, I can catch shell disease. What shell? Oh, mostly it just makes my nails look like a weird color and they get my fingers get sort of itchy, but that's it. It's actually not a bad deal, all things considered. Uh-oh. The itchiness does suck, though. Can I get the immunity to all diseases without <laughs> going in the cold? Can that be like a fun little free sample? <laughs> Do you think fish can get Lyme disease? You think that's a thing? Who knows? Right? I don't think ticks can swim. That's the that's the catch. I think in I think if we're going to do any more unethical science in the future, uh, not that I'm advocating for that. I think the only thing we should be testing is what can and can't ticks infect. That's what I want to know. Can, can we get the little floaties? <laughs> if they can swim out. Are you are you proposing we put little little water wings like the si- like little little bug sized water wings on a tick? Yes, that's exactly what I'm proposing. And then we take pictures and we spread it all over the internet to ruin their bad boy rep. <laughs> Listen, it's cruel, but compared to what they've done to me, it's nothing. Oh no, I th- I think you've earned your vengeance. Either that, or we could just squish a bunch. <laughs> but they're hard to squish, so. Who knows? Maybe we'll like get a whole bunch of ticks in a bucket mm-hmm. and sacrifice them to the Leviathan, I, I, and I, that will be that will be my payment for the immunity to all diseases without like pledging my immortal soul. Uh, well, uh, the immortal it's it's like a it's like a payment plan. The immortal soul is sort of like well, no, it, you're on you're on there for a while, you know, and then once you make it up, listen, it's fine. You just, how, it's an investment. How many? It's an investment. Can I, like, get the Leviathan some, like, fish or, like, a nice bottle of wine instead? How many Merlots is my soul worth? Oh, uh, the, we, we don't, we don't I- imbibe of the, uh, the alcohol in, in the cult. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I can never join your cult. Yeah, sorry, we're, we're okay. straight edges, actually. I'm sorry. I'd be, like, the Al Capone, like, Coming to service like, hey, you want some wine? Don't tell anyone. It's grape juice. Yeah, uh, the Leviathan's sacred powers include actually turning wine into water. Water is the the holiest drink of all. The goal is to be 100% water by the time you you finished uh, with the cult. I know beer companies that can do that without magic powers. (laughs) Like watery beer. Here is the really sad thing about today's episode. There's nothing on the Cryptids Wiki to make fun of. There's no comments. It's such a short article, too. No it's comments. it's but a snippet. They even say at the bottom, this article is a stub. You can help the cryptozoologists and cryptobotanists on Cryptid Wiki find other information or by expanding it. What if we expanded it? What if this is our legacy? Well, I don't want to help the Cryptids Wiki. If they If they want our help, they can listen to the podcast and they can help themselves. The catch is... There's no formatting guide for the Cryptids Wiki. I wouldn't know what the hell to do. 
You can just go wild. You know, it, it's sort of like... Cass, imagine the difference between dro- being dropped in a, a sandbox where you ha- where you have, you know, maybe it's more limiting, um, but you, you, have a, you have a sense of scope for what you can do uh, versus being dropped in a desert where it is dry, horrible. There's scorpions everywhere. Um, you're, you're probably going to like die eventually and you have no idea where to go. Now you can make sandcastles everywhere because there are no rules, but it is also a desert. Will someone come get me after like the 30 minutes like they would with a kid in a sandbox? No, that's the, that's the trick about the cryptids wiki. You can be lost forever. Oh no. 1,615 pages of bullshit. We gotta talk about the article stuff at some point, because there's some very funny stuff. A lot of blobs. There are a lot of blobs in here. Oh yeah, no, lobsters. Uh, I think I think one of the articles we, we've looked at, and I don't really want to get into it, because I'm... Lobsters are a bit boring to me. Um, I, I like them. I like them because they're, they're sort of weird and gross to look at, but I don't like them on the basis of every story is basically the same of, oh my god, this massive blob washed up on the shore and we think it's a dead sea monster can we talk about the wood booger at some point oh the wood booger uh i actually i think i have that one saved somewhere but yeah we might we might get into that little boogie in the woods (laughs) Uh, sounds disgusting looks disgusting i mean i guess with nothing to make fun of on the cryptids wiki we should just go right to our questions huh I feel comfortable asking dat- dateability about this one. I think I think Colossal Claude's pretty dateable. Now, yeah, you know, a bit, bit of a bit of a bit of a camel horse face, but that's fine. I don't mind the long I love face. A, I love a swimmer. <laughs> there is the there is the evil part, but I feel like after everything that's happened in the last six months, it's like a little tiny part of me that's gone a little evil. So like, who knows? Maybe if I ever want to become like a villain, uh, it's like an ultimate. Master. Colossal Claude is just seen as evil. That's what it is for me. And I actually, you know me, you know that I have a a, re- a real thing for for villains in various uh, media. So I mean, my thing is, great. Colossal Claude's got that villain look, but underneath, just a big sweet guy. His lordship is. Pretty gentlemanly, as as that one article said. <laughs> I think the sticking point is probably if he asks me to uh, call him his lordship. I don't think I could manage that. I don't. Not my thing. Kind of, kind of a turn off, if anything. So I'm gonna say solid uh, eight out of ten. For a second, I thought you were gonna say six. No, um, a little too low. We're talking, hey, he's colossal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll give it a four. <laughs> One for every country. <laughs> he, if, he, if he wants a better score, he should, don't be bitter, just get bigger. Um, I'd give him an eight out of ten Ouch. if he was 80 feet long, but he's kind of small, so hey. four. Hey, 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 You don't know what the colossus referred to. <laughs> See you all next week.
Hello everybody, Cass here with the Amateur Cryptid Survival Guide. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, we appreciate the support as always. I'm personally a little bit intimidated by Colossal Claude, so I'm glad you could all be here for the emotional support. It makes me feel a lot more comfortable knowing that there's someone there on the other side. We've hit over 500 downloads, we're super excited about that. You know, we appreciate the momentum on our social media accounts, in- Instagram, Twitter, both at ACSGCast. We're slowly moving things into YouTube. Also, I just found this amazing transcription software, so we're gonna get transcripts going as soon as we're out of the fresh hell that is finals week. Woohoo! Um, again, thank you so much for all of your support. We're very excited for next week's episode, keeping with kind of an aquatic theme for a little bit here. We love a, we love a good theme. Um, but perhaps we're gonna do a little bit different salt water than you're used to. Is it salt water? It might be salt water. I actually don't know. Uh, and that's on me. So we'll see you next week.